0: Genesis chapter 14, and we're going to read this morning starting at verse 11. Genesis chapter 14, verse 11, and the scripture says, And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their victuals, and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped, and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshgal, and brother of Anar. And these were confederate with Abram, And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, three hundred and eighteen, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back, all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people and the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedar Laomar, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva which is the king's dale and Melchizedek king of Salem brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of the most high God and he blessed him and said blessed be Abram of the most high God possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be the most high God which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand and he gave him tithes of all And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons, and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the Possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread, even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine lest thou shouldst say, I have made Abram rich, save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me, Aner, Eshcol, and Mamre. Let them take their portion. We'll end our reading there. We trust the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. For Jesus' sake, this morning I want us to think particularly on what Abram says to the king of Sodom, there in verse 23, though we're taking 22 and 23 as our text per se. But he says, I will not take from a thread even to a shoe And I want us to think this morning on what I'm entitling, No Strings Attached. But before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Father, now we would pray that you will bless the word of God and that thou will use it for Jesus' sake. Not just to instruct us, but oh God, to work within us to encourage, to straighten out our thinking, to cause us to be able to trust and to love our God. We pray that you will allow yourself to be the minister this day, the preacher of this hour, Lord, the physician of our hearts. Oh God, draw us to thyself, we would pray. Let the word of God be that which is used of the Spirit of God within us, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. I will not take from a thread even to a shoelatchet. Abram's statement to the king of Sodom was put in a way that lends itself to a very suggestive conclusion. Again, his words, I will not take from a thread to a shoe latchet. In the day that it was spoken, the proverbial sent- sentiment that we can apply from our culture today may not have been in the thoughts of Abram. However, we can certainly let the words suggest a truth that is obvious then as it is today. The proverb that I would suggest is this. Gifts from the world come with strings attached. Let me say that again. Gifts from the world come with strings attached. In Abram's day, it appears that the gifts came with shoelatchets attached. The point then is this. If you take or receive from the hand of the world, it is no gift. You will pay handsomely for it in the end. I may be that this point would serve as the whole subject for our consideration. But I think that this truth is only part and maybe a much lesser part than the message that is contained in this incident. I say this because we have presented to us a singular moment which the scripture builds on in a great way. This moment was the moment in which Melchizedek is seen. The greatness and the glory of this priest of the Most High God was such that Abraham, or Abram, as he was called still here, not only meets him, but offers tithes to him. Hearing what Melchizedek says... Does and brings is of so much more importance than what has to be said to the king of Sodom that Abraham's statement to the king of Sodom was almost like this. I don't have time or desire to have anything to do with you. I have spoken to Melchizedek. His words are in my mind. You... Go your way. This moment of Abraham's return from the rescue of Lot serves as a backdrop for our thoughts today. The meeting with these two kings, utterly opposite in character, serves as a great lesson. I suggest that the king of Sodom represents in many ways that one that we would call the king of this world. Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, well represents his namesake. Well, I say here's a lesson to us of what is offered by the king of this world and what is offered by the king of heaven. This is a lesson in the difference between the choosing or the product of choosing the world, and the product of choosing Christ. With that said, I will suggest this as our subject then. What is offered by the Lord Jesus has no strings attached. Not so with the gifts of the world. I want us to consider three things then this morning, very, very simply. The first of which is I want us to consider this picture of these kings of this moment. What is suggested to us here. And at this point I simply want to contrast the two that spoke to Abram. How they were known and how did their offers appear to Abram. First consider with me then the king of Sodom. What do the scriptures say? that would allow us to draw conclusions about this man. Well, right from the start, if you were to read from chapter 13, verse 13, you would realize that all that were from the kingdom of this man, who were probably just like their king, it describes that place this way. Chapter 13, verse 13, But the men of Sodom were wicked, and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. There, that colors this man. Perhaps it speaks more than we really need to go any further about. The man was wicked exceedingly. What would that entail? Well, perhaps also all that he would say, do, offer, and expect would also be to a wicked end. Now, I want you to note with me, That this statement that was made about this king and his kingdom and the people in it was made long before the invasion of the kings, which took Lot captive. This reputation, this knowledge was widely known and probably a warning that all had heard. Sadly, Lot chose their land And eventually their company anyway. Lot was not taken by surprise. As to the character of the people that he associated himself with. He was not just surprised one day to wake up and find himself in the midst of these uh, people. He knew. But also I would suggest this. That even after the king of Sodom had been saved and his substance returned by Abram. Even after there was such good done for him, such restoration for him, there was despising of Abram, and especially Lot in the not distant days ahead. For you read in chapter 19, as they would comment to Lot when the angels were there, and they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn, and he will needs be a judge now. We will deal worse with thee than with them. Oh, that's how they thought about Lot. That's how they thought about Abraham. That's how they thought about all that had to do with Abraham, the one who had saved them from these kings. They despised him. They turned their hearts and backs upon him. The kind of man this king was was not hard to see. Sin and the corruption of his soul and heart were plain. And would have made any wise man alarmed. We might ask then. What was his offer to Abraham? We read of it here. He says you can take the spoils. But what really would that have been like? Well I suggest this. That when he comes to Abraham. His comment or his offer was sort of like this. Abraham, take it all. Take it all. Have as much as you want. You've earned it. You should enjoy something for your work. In fact, he may have even pointed to the things that were there and said, Hey, look at these great things. You'll really find that these are one of a kind. You'll find nothing like the spoils of Sodom elsewhere. You take it. The claims of what the king of this world offers. Oh, may we learn this. The claims of what the king of this world offers is that you will find thrill after thrill if you take his gifts. Take it all. Oh, it's wonderful. You'll enjoy it. In fact, I think it's very much... The warning that we have in Proverbs 22 and verse 3, where it says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple passed on and are punished. The simple pass on and are punished. What's that meaning? When you take the offers of the world, when you take what the king of this world offers, it will end in a way that is essentially punishment. There is always, always a string. Or, in this case, as it were, a shoe attached to the gifts of the king of this world. Abraham knew that and he said to him, No, I won't take it because what you'll turn around and say to me is, I have made Abraham rich. In other words, you're going to turn around to me someday and make the comment, You owe me. You have what you have because I gave it to you. You need To pay it back. Perhaps the king of Sodom thought in his heart, well, he can take what he wants, but one day he'll become one of us, as Lot did. Lot became one of them. What was Lot's end? He lost all. He lost his wife, he lost his family. He lost his wealth, he lost his herds, he lost his servants, and he lost his name. Strings are attached to following after the shiny things of the world. I want us to think also, though, on the king of righteousness. The king of righteousness Abram also met Melchizedek. Melchizedek being translated for us is the king of righteousness. Or it says of the, or the king or the prince of Salem. Salem being that place which is commonly known as Jerusalem. I might even mention to you or th- have you think with me for just a moment that Jerusalem was the place where Abraham would return with Isaac. To Mount Moriah which most believe is the very place where the temple in Jerusalem was built that that temple mound itself was Mount Moriah that if you have Melchizedek being the prince of that place wherein Abraham eventually came back you have him being the one that deals perhaps with Abraham in other form uh, through the person of our Lord when Abraham comes back in Genesis 22 We'd have to ask the question, what, is said, what does the Scriptures say about Melchizedek? Well, I think the most conclusive statement is found in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1, where it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. The point to be noted is drawn from the response of Abram. To meeting Melchizedek. It says that he gave tithes of all. That giving of tithes entails the giving of worship. And of honor. In other words Abraham realized that this is one. Unlike any other. This is the one to whom honor and worship is due. We might ask the question, was the holiness and uprightness of Melchizedek to be seen? It says he was the king of righteousness. Was that an obvious thing? Was the holiness of Melchizedek that which shone? Well, I would suggest to you that it could not be hid. I'd also ask, was there something marvelous to be noticed about Melchizedek? And you have to say, well, how could there not be? The statement of Hebrews 7 and Psalm 110 was that Christ was after the order of Melchizedek. Now, that's not just a statement that he had no father or mother. But as Melchizedek was king of righteousness, the moral character of Melchizedek was reflecting the moral righteousness that was Christ like. He was obviously different. He was obviously holy. We might also go on to ask this question. Did the wonder and brilliance of the person of Melchizedek disappear from the minds and knowledge of the descendants of Abraham? Until he is mentioned again in Psalm 110 where the Messiah is said to be like him in his priesthood. Did they forget? No, I think this. It is likely that his name and who he was was well known and passed down from generation to generation. And when the writer of Hebrews mentions him, all who hear that name instantly know entirely who is being spoken of and the character of the man that's being spoken of. I would also have you to note that when Melchizedek comes to meet Abram, he brings bread and wine. I read one commentator that said that that specifically speaks of sacrifice and you and I would have to say we understand that well. For those very same elements, those very same things were taken by another high priest of the Most High God in the same way in an upper room. That speaking of the broken body and the shed blood, these are brought in the hand of Melchizedek And I want you to understand with me, there was nothing spoken of by Melchizedek of spoils. There was nothing that was of goods or lands. There was only the blessing of God. And I say this was a treasure above all others. But there was not the expectation that someday there would be a return or a calling back. Or a string attached he came and offered the blessing of god may i suggest to you that these two kings represent what you and i find in this world the king of this world will offer you much and he'll say take it all it's so wonderful what a thrill to have it but there are strings attached and there will be a day of recall but the king of heaven when he comes offers to us, which has no strings attached. There is no saying you'll have to pay something later. But it's not of the things of the world that we find that we are blessed with. Which brings up then the next point. What was Abraham blessed with? So I want you to see with me, secondly, the provision. The provision. The spoils of Sodom taken back from the marauders were the provision and the only provision that the king of Sodom had There was no blessing in his mouth. There was no smile of God that he could bring. Oh, again, may we understand the spoils of the world are but for a moment. And will be recalled by the king of this world. You will have it for just a moment. But consider God's provision through the blessing of the high priest. Look at me with with me again at verses 19 and 20. And it says, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. There was a blessing. That's what Melchizedek offered. Well, I'm afraid sometimes our faithless hearts, our doubting hearts, when we even hear the very blessings of our God, Come away with words like these in our minds. But these are only words. (laughs) The king of Sodom gave him things that he could actually see and hold and have. Melchizedek gave him just words. What's the good of a sentiment of goodwill? What does that do? The blessing. Oh, how not only silly, but faithless and unbelieving our hearts are. I want you to see with me when the blessing comes from the mouth of Melchizedek to Abraham, it was, number one, a forever blessing. I would suggest to you that what you read in chapter 15 of Genesis may be seen as a product of the blessing of what you hear from the mouth of Melchizedek in chapter 14. Here you have then... The Lord's blessing upon him. And then the Lord comes to Abraham, particularly in a vision later, and expounds, expands, and applies how that blessing will actually be seen. There was, in chapter 15 then, as I said, it was an expanded explanation. There was the promise of a son. There was promise of life, long life, fruitful life. And what was promised was never taken back. It did not fail. And there was no string attached to the blessing of God. There is nothing that will be added. Also, when he makes his promises to us, when we read of the blessings of the gospel, the gifts of the gospel, these have no strings attached. The blessing of the high priest, as we read to start our service, when the words of Christ were offered, makes the believer free and adds life and peace. And then the Lord added beyond that, he says, I want you to understand where your blessing really lies. The king of Sodom offered you the treasures of the world, but Abraham, I am thy exceeding great reward. There's the treasure There's what Melchizedek held forth. It was not anything that pointed to this world. It was the Lord himself that became the treasure of Abraham. One treasure that he enjoyed all his days. And allowed him to walk forth as one who was called the friend of God. And again I say though Melchizedek brought no earthly treasure. What Abraham received by the blessing... And I have to say, on the basis of the bread and the wine, on, on the basis of what was done in sacrifice, was not a blessing in theory. We look at the blessings of God so often as if they're just, well, it's, it, it might happen, but it's, it's theoretically going to happen. No, sir. Abraham saw the blessing. And so I suggest to you this second part. Not only was it a forever blessing, it was a tangible blessing. It was a tangible blessing. He saw it. He held it. Isaac was the promise of God that he could hold in his hands, in his arms and love. He would in reality have that treasure and promise tried on this very same mountain later on Mount Moriah when in Genesis 22 he is led of the Lord to bring Isaac back to this place to prove the heart of Abraham. It was a tangible blessing, but you and I argue so often, but I don't see blessing. I don't see it. Well, let me mention something to you about the blessing that God gave Abraham and what we can say to ourselves, preach to ourselves on the same score. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, 'Surely uh, Surely blessing I will bless thee, And multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Sometimes the Lord will say, I give you this promise. It's coming. It's sure. It's going to be something that you'll hold in your hands, as it were. But for the purposes and the glory of God, you may just have to wait for a bit. Our place then, as Abraham's was, is to consider the one who blesses. Consider the one who's sworn. Consider the one who's given his word. Consider the character of the one who stood before him and he gave tithes to. Consider the righteousness of our God. The peace that comes in his reign and in his kingdom. Oh, I say the Admonition to us is that we're to keep our eyes on the person of Jesus Christ. Keep your heart and mind on Christ. The promise will come. The promise will come. Not as the world promises. The world's promises are not sure and they will fail and there are, as I said, strings attached. Not so with the promises of God and the gifts of the gospel. Well, I want us then to come to the last point, And that is the point. The point. And again, I just, I've already said it. It's a reiteration. I admit it. But I want us to consider and keep in mind, this is the crux of what we're talking about. The point is, first, what the king of the world offers has strings. Keep that in mind. It will soon be brought back from your hand and you will end up with nothing. Abraham understood this. Lot didn't. But Abraham understood it and rejected the offer which quite frankly as I read this I always tend to think that the offer of the king of Sodom was quite insincere. It was as hollow as is possible to be. And I think Abraham saw that and knew that someday these guys are going to accuse me of stealing their part. What is, in the second place, the point is, what is offered in the gospel of the king of righteousness. Far from binding us up with the strings, frees us. It is freeing. And again, I point to that verse at the beginning of chapter 15, where the statement again is, Fear not, Abraham, or Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. What is that statement? Well, there's freedom now for you, Abraham. There's freedom from all that could possibly be feared. I want you to understand that Abraham stood in the midst of a violently hostile land. That those that were around him, though he had must be 318 very skilled men that could war with him, he was not anyone To be able to stand up against the hosts of the nations that were around him you would think that especially now that he had made himself to be seen as a combatant of those that are in the land he might have cause to fear that there would be retaliation but the Lord says fear not fear not all that could possibly be feared is now to be taken away from you I will not allow this Oh, may we see that that is to be our case, too. When the sun makes us free, we're free from fear. We need not be afraid. Second, there is now freedom from all that could possibly harm or destroy. He says, I am thy shield. I am going to protect you. I am going to be the one who will make sure, indeed, that you come to the fullness of the blessing that I have just spoken of. The joy and the peace and the happiness and the goodness that I have just spoken of. I will protect you and shield you from those things that possibly would keep you from that. And then there's now freedom from all that brings poverty. I am an exceeding great reward. You're not going to want Abraham. Again, we're not thinking about the world's goods. We're not talking about that. But in your soul, in your heart... You're not going to be one who wants. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What the Lord provides then exceeds the world, it exceeds the need, it exceeds the expectation. I think perhaps you could note each one of those points as you read through chapter 15. I am exceedingly great. such a contrast here an immense contrast one that we ought to learn and take heed from that with the offers of the king of this world comes all kinds of things that the world says these are wonderful these are good these are enjoyable these are thrilling but there's always something that's going to draw you away from those things in the end and they prove destructive to you But on the other side, that which the world says, Oh, there's nothing really in the blessing of God. It's just words. How false is that? How false is that? And the Lord proves it over and over and over again. What he promises, he will not allow to fall to the ground. Though he calls on us often to go through times in which we have to wait. What did, what did Abraham have to go through in the time that he waited? He had to endure the suffering of watching Sodom destroyed and Lot ruined. He had to go through the time which he had the terrible um, missteps of character in his dealings with Hagar and the son that he has from her. He has to have the constant disappointment and whatever you want to say was from the words of Sarah until after she bears Isaac. He's going through at least, you know, it's at least 13 years because that's how old um, his son from Hagar was before Isaac is born. Well, how many more years was that? Well, you'd have to say, well, maybe the scripture tells us that he was 80 years old, and then when he was 100 years old, he has Isaac... 80 years old when the promise was made, so there's a period of 20 years. 20 years! Well, that's proof that the, pro- the blessing of God is not real. Oh, no, no, no. Not at all. The Lord had something that he was doing in and through and with Abraham during those years. He was glorifying his own name and he brought, though, Abraham to the fullness of, of joy i think frankly when abraham and isaac walked back from mount moriah after having sacrificed the ram and being able to walk back to their servants i think there was a there was a pinnacle moment of joy for abraham my son is going to endure and the promises of god are going to be seen through isaac but more than that i have met with god again and he's proved his love to me again i am indeed blessed of the most high god what a contrast what a contrast in this it seems like it's just such a small incident no 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 here's here i say is the dividing point that every man must come to in his own mind do i follow and accept the offer the king of this world or do i listen and heed the offer Of the King of Righteousness. How different their offers are. But how different the result is. Well. Amen. May the Lord bless his word to us for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Father in heaven now we would pray that you will bless the word of God. And allow it to be that which. Draws our minds and hearts to your feet. But we pray that you will allow it to be that which encourages us. We pray that it will be that which guides us. Lord, exalt the Lord Jesus in our hearts, we pray. In his precious name we ask. Amen.